This is Angus. Welcome to Angus's Appendices, a Kirby's Kids one-shot. Shot! Welcome back, kids, and thanks for listening. We continue racing through January with The Flash in showcase number four from 1956, Mystery of the Human Thunderbolt. This was the origin story of Barry Allen, who many of us know as The Flash. Watched the Flash character from the WB TV show, and also seen and portrayed in the DCU movies. Before we get into this origin story and get a little Fox fact, a little tidbit on Gardner Fox, creator of the original Flash. During the mid to late 1940s and into the 1950s, Gardner Fox turned to pulp magazines to expand his writing work opportunities as the golden age of superhero comics was drawing to a close. Fox wrote a number of short stories and text pieces for Weird Tales and Planet Stories and was published in Amazing Stories and Marvel Science Stories. Gardner was in good company at many of these publications with stories by Arthur C. Clarke, Isaac Asimov, Jack Vance, and L. Sprague de Camp, among others, appearing in those same issues with his works. Indeed, good company to keep. Now let's move on to some creative chatter and discuss our writer, and our artist, whoever is this artist and this writer, I must meet them. Creative chatter. Our writer is Robert Nyer. Robert is the man who wrote the book on how to make money writing comics and did so for over four decades at DEC. He published that work, How to Make Money Writing, in 1943. And at that time, he was already 10 years into writing professionally. And in addition to sections on writing for radio shows, films, and the stage, the book featured tips for aspiring creators who were looking to break into this brand new medium called comics. Definitely was there to work and to succeed. With that being said, he would go to co-create some of DC's greatest characters, including Poison Ivy, Sergeant Rock, and, of course, Barry Allen, the character who would launch the Silver Age of Comics as The Flash. Nair was undoubtedly one of the most important creators in DC Comics history. There's little to be disputed there. But his career was marked as much by his extremely prolific output. One of his secrets that he passed along in his book was the variety of what he created. In addition to working on superhero titles like Flash, Batman, and his nine-year run on Wonder Woman, he also worked on everything from romance titles to war comics and ended up having a hand in some of the offbeat creations that DC would birth, such as The Metal Men. Nyer's greatest success and most of his output would undoubtedly come from DC's war comics. With legendary artist Joe Kubert, he created Sergeant Rock and Easy Company and would write the bulk of their adventures until his retirement. His stories were marked by action, a weariness of combat that made his characters seem human while they were battling Nazi Superman with metal fists and shooting down airplanes with handguns. But while Rock might have had that glow of realism to it, War Comics also provided the jumping off point for some of his stranger creations later down the line. The war that time forgot, in which soldiers battled against an island of dinosaurs, that's kind of awesome, and the creature commandos, in which a crack team of monsters, including a vampire, a werewolf, a medusa, and a Frankenstein, named Lucky, were sent to assassinate Hitler. Now, let's move on to our artist, Carmine Infantino. Again, another DC legend. Carmine was born in New York and grew up in Brooklyn. 
He helped revitalize the superhero genre with work that marked the dawn of the Silver Age of comics. In the 1950s, Infantino's clean lines and bold colors combined with Bob's stories to create this new interpretation of the Flash that truly did redefine the character. A decade later, Infantino worked similar magic on Batman, again, another iconic character for DC, whose book was on the verge, actually, of cancellation. Now, isn't that hard to believe? that Batman at one point was on the verge of cancellation. In addition to being a skilled artist, Infantino proved to be a gifted manager, rising in the late 1960s to editorial director and in the early 1970s to publisher of DC Comics. Little known fact, he and Stan Lee from Marvel were very good, close friends and would often have dinner on Friday nights with each other's wives. And so these couples would go out and meet, and here he is, the distinguished competition, as Stan Lee would refer to him as, and here's Carmine going out to dinner with Stan, because for the longest time, those those men were it with respect to the, the comics industry as far as the heavy hitters and publishers of the day, and actually had a lot of shared experiences to bond over. Infantino hired the legendary Jack Kirby away from rival Marvel and teamed artist Neil Adams with writer Denny O'Neill on Detectives Comics, a pairing that would restore Batman to his noir roots, in other words, Detective Batman, in the wake of the camp 1960s uh, Adam West television series. Now, mind you, as a kid, I used to love to watch that series on UHF television, those reruns, and, you know, I didn't think anything of it. However, I will say that Carmine's bringing of Neil Adams together with Denny O'Neill was huge for me because it ultimately ended up to my first intro into the DC world through those power records and specifically that artwork that was done by Neil Adams at the time. So the depiction of Batman for me growing up was that Neil Adams depiction, rather iconic. Infantino would later leave DC in the mid-1970s, and his highlights of his later artistic career included a run on Marvel's Star Wars comic, another one near and dear to my heart. Although looking back on it in those 1970s Star Wars comics, looking almost rather campy, it was just pure magic for a 7, 8, 9, 10-year-old to be picking up that newest issue and seeing the adventures of Han Solo and Chewbacca. So now let's move on over to our literary aisle, where we'll get into our initial impressions, story synopsis, deeper analysis. Arlando, there's our literary aisle. Now that we're on our literary aisle, let's take a look at this mystery of the human thunderbolt. This origin story centers around Barry Allen. Again, a character very well known to many of you listening right now. This particular origin story follows a similar three-part story arc. Barry's a scientist who works in a police crime lab. There's a large lightning storm that hits the city. He's hit by lightning and doused in chemicals while in his lab, which transforms him into the Flash, discovering that he has superhuman speed. So this simple three-part story arc is first, Barry getting his powers, Barry discovers what he can do with his powers, and then finally, Barry uses his powers to stop villain Turtle Man, the world's slowest man on Earth, 
after overcoming challenges that Turtle Man throws at him. Barry is our central focus, again, since this is his origin story. From the dousing of chemicals in the lab, to him trying to frantically catch a cab, which all of a sudden he can outrun the cab, to his being hungry and wanting to go to a diner. And while at the diner, witnessing a waitress trip or tray, dump food, very, very quickly before anything can hit the floor, catches it all. Again, discovering his ability to see things happen slower because he has been sped up, indeed being that fastest man alive. His girlfriend, as usual, is Iris. And again, our focus is on Turtle Man, who ends up entering into the picture after Barry very adeptly saves Iris from a bullet that was heading her way. The story from there is pretty basic. A robbery occurring, a pursuit then from the Flash against Turtle Man. But what makes this a bit different is the use of Turtle Man's lack of speed and the Flash's newfound speed, Barry's speed now being the Flash, actually coming at odds, being effectively used against one another. For instance, Turtle Man realizes now how quickly the Flash moves, how quickly he will overcompensate for things because he doesn't quite have control of his newfound ability and sets up traps accordingly. Again, don't want to provide any spoilers. You really should read this for yourself. It is very entertaining. On the other hand, Barry, recognizing he has these abilities and seeing the clever nature of the Turtle Man, overcomes those obstacles ultimately and figures out how he can harness his power to ultimately rein the Turtle Man in. Again, everything finishes up very nicely and there's happiness at the end. A great story to start out an origin story. The art in this. Iconic. Carmine Infantino truly took this Flash character and created his own masterful interpretation of what a modern Flash would look like. Meaning, the callback to the Jay Garrick Flash character is still there. You see the wings along the sides of the suit. Again, that mercurial look. The red is now emphasized, and it's a full bodysuit. Again, the iconic suit that we now see today. That was visualized, conceived by Carmine Infantino. So from that perspective, it is a total victory. The other use of color throughout the book is good with respect to color selection and contrast with the suit. The flash here is what is on display. The reds pop. The yellows that are used on the Flash's uniform to outline the lightning bolt, the yellow boots all also pop. The cityscape is a bit muted, quite a bit of blues and browns, uh, again, making the Flash the central uh, character here. What's interesting for the Turtle Man, he's in a green top, almost you know stereotypical of a, a green turtle, uh, turtle back there and his uh, outfit is rather plain it's a turtleneck and and pants but it contrasts beautifully to the flash's red and stands out from all the other characters within the city no one looks like the turtle man even though he's fairly plainly clothed everyone else surrounding uh, the city is pretty much of the day Lots of coat and ties and, and dresses, very 1950s, and that's great. It's it's of its time, for sure. It was very, very enjoyable, quite short, and I would love to hear your impressions of this particular origin story. It's 
a little stronger with respect to story itself. It definitely takes those same tropes from the Jay Garrick origin story, but modernizes it a bit. This is the first introduction of the, the lightning that we're used to seeing in Flash origin stories and crashing down. It's really the starting off point towards the popularization of Flash out of the Silver Age and now beyond into modern media as a character. I love the Jay Garrick character, and another one of the selections for this month's Flash will actually focus back on that Jay Garrick character. But for the most part, when folks think of Flash, they think of Barry Allen. And this is that iconic origin story. So for a recommendation, I would say anyone who enjoys a good superhero origin story, give this one a read. Very, very solid. I would also say that there's not really any age restriction to it. So, please, listen in next week when we'll be reviewing another Flash. But until then, this is the startling tale of The Flash. A man who was so fast that he not only outraced his shadow, but also broke through the sound barrier on foot. But what happens to the fastest man alive when he battles the slowest man on Earth? Is this incredible speed a help or a hindrance? Hold on to your seat for the amazing answer as you read Mystery of the Human Thunderbolt. (laughs) 